0: On this episode of the It Up Pod, we do our yearly victory dance over the Rams' body in Lambeau Field. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod. High
1: snap again. End zone! Accepted by Russell Douglas. And the Packers are going to win it. A.J. Green was the target, and he never looked for
0: the ball. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one sounded so good. Yeah. It doesn't matter if golf's at quarterback. It doesn't matter if Stafford's at quarterback. It doesn't matter if they add Von Miller and OBJ, the Rams coming to Lambeau field to lose is just fantastic. I just, I love it. I don't know why I get so much joy out of winning against this team. Maybe it's because they keep adding stars. I don't know how they pay everybody, but man, it feels good to win against the LA. I'm the same way.
1: And with, with, uh, the two head coaches, I just love beating Sean McVay. I mean, there's nothing, there is no other coach in the NFL that I would like to beat more other than Bill Belichick himself, and it's always good seeing them lose.
2: Yeah, I don't know if anyone was still having the battle about who's the better coach between LaFleur and McVay, but until further notice, McVay cannot be discussed in the same conversation. He's got this all-Madden roster. He had two-thirds of this podcast believing he should win the game, and he couldn't get a pass rush. He couldn't get the ball to Odell, Sands a deep shot. Um, that conversation's over. Like, LaFleur made a statement here.
0: Yeah. And shout out to Troy Aikman, who said that Robert Woods is a top three receiver in this league. I think he's an amazing player, but. Oh, boy, is that is that our excuse now for why they lost, is they don't have a top-three receiver when they have Cooper Cup and everybody else oh. out there? Like, my Lord. Oh,
2: Pre-game, I was already on the excuses, and it <laughs> continued into the game. First, Diana Rossini of ESPN was like, Stafford's playing with a, a sore arm and a bad elbow. I'm like, well, that could be the same thing. Chronic back pain, well, that's not news. He's had that his whole life, and he's a 35-year-old professional athlete, probably have chronic back pain. And then I forget what the other thing was, but it's like, yeah, this just sounds like a standard Stafford update. So his PR team must be amazing. These guys have full control over the media. And then Beckham, you know, doesn't play well. And all of a sudden he's got a back injury. It's like, was he dealing with this beforehand? Like, I don't remember him on the injury report. I thought he was getting mixed more into the offense and everyone was excited for him to go off. Yeah, what they don't talk about is our guys are in so much pain. They're not even playing. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> they haven't brought up Zadarius Smith once this year in a broadcast, I swear. Well,
2: at the end of the game they showed him on the sidelines. They're like, they're they're trying to get these guys back after the break, but we'll get into the recap. I was I had so much fun watching football this weekend in general. The mm-hmm. Thanksgiving games weren't great, but the Friday games, UNC versus NC State, a classic. The Saturday games, Michigan Ohio State in the snow. The Badgers threw out a dud, but then Oklahoma, Oklahoma State was great. There was just good football all around, and then this game just blew my mind because, like I said, two-thirds of us predicted a loss, and they just looked so sharp and crisp and exact. They kicked their ass. It was so much fun to watch. I I yelled at the TV in excitement at least ten times. I was home by myself, like afraid that the neighbors were going to call the cops thinking that there was something going on inside my house, and there was. It was A Packers playoff celebration (laughs) because this team looks good.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, if you like uh, watching refs, the Cowboys game had plenty of that. So don't, don't excuse that one from bad playoff or uh, Thanksgiving Day football because I enjoyed watching a flag every other play. But let's jump into this game. 36. 28 Packers it kind of actually felt a little bit like the Steelers game where people that look at the final score go oh this was a good one and it's like no I I kind of felt like the Packers could have done better and we're kind of in control this whole game and really it came down to about three separate plays that blew this open to make it close but let's talk about this Packers defense which I mean uh as Dan mentioned in text, Kevin King did not play, which is kind of surprising that it that wasn't mentioned. Uh, and so you had Barnes that was stepping up. He was the leading tackler. This dude, I can't believe how well he's playing. We bring it up every single week. Kenny Clark is just the man. And on a day in which a legend goes into the Hall of Fame for the Packers, Mr. Woodston, Rasul Douglas gets a pick six in his honor. So let's talk about this should've defense and what they did. Should've, yeah, let's
2: been two. Yeah, Kenny. I'll start with the run defense. Uh, Kenny Clark even made a statement that they were not stacking the box. It showed in the pass rush. They didn't rush more than four, I think maybe one blitz or maybe none. Uh, and it showed in the first half. I mean, 15 dropbacks, they only had one pressure. Uh, Gary was was the guy when it came to pass rushes. But Kenny Clark was a dude, and then you know you talk about not having to stack the box, not creating pass rush. You're dropping guys back into coverage and making them beat you. Well, then you would think, okay, we're going to run the ball if you're the Rams and McVay. We're going to run the ball, and we got to have success there in order to pull guys into the box. Well, they couldn't have success there. Barnes was flying all over, and not just he was everywhere, but he was a sure tackle every time he encountered the ball carrier. And I I don't know where that came from, because remember, this is the guy that like we knew we had to go get Devondre Campbell to replace. We picked up Jalen Smith to replace. We thought Kamal Martin might play in place of him. And now we're looking at him like, holy smokes, if we can get him and Devondre playing at that level, that is uh, special, might be too strong. But that is the solid kind of performance from an inside linebacker that you need and I'll give a ton of credit to Kenny Clark because he's chewing up blocks and letting those middle linebackers roam. But then the middle linebackers are making the tackle, that stopping the run game. They had 20 rushes for 68 yards, and that that meant you could commit uh, all your eyes, all your coverage to the pass game. So play action didn't really stand a chance. If if they're trying to build off of something, they weren't building off of nothing. We we stopped that, in its tracks.
1: Yeah. Uh- One thing, this game felt forever. It it felt like the longest game ever. It felt like the fourth quarter shouldn't have happened. Um, When we were up 36-17, I was a little worried.
2: Just cancel the game. Yeah,
1: just cancel that fourth quarter. But but I was a little worried when we were up 36-17 because, honestly, against a good offense with the Rams who have big playability, I was worried about us giving up a few more. And sure enough, we did give up the OBJ, you know, albeit a little lucky. But blown coverage um, but honestly that defensive front holy hell the pass rush wasn't phenomenal all game but they got it when they needed it and people made plays when we needed a play uh, Kenny Clark how he was breaking double teams with ease in this game was a work of art it wasn't force of It wasn't very forceful. It was more finesse, a more quick movement, uh, more lateral movement, if you will. But watching him play, it was a different type of play than we've seen from Kenny. He's been mostly just bull rush and breaking it up the middle, but he he was moving quick and looked good out there.
2: I love how you say it wasn't very forceful to split a double team. It's like, no, I just did a little parouette, didn't have to use any No, muscles. if you
1: walk, it, literally, <laughs> he just like sideswept and just pushed him to the side, and the guy fell down, and away he went.
2: Yeah, he, he can do it all. He's peaking at the right time. And I, I found the stat. In the first half, we did not blitz on any of the 15 pass attempts, and it led to pressures on only three times because of it. But one was Rashawn Gary's strip sack. So, I mean, the, the game plan worked
0: yeah and it was really interesting, and I wanted to call out Gary because it didn't seem like he played a ton, but he did play thirty three snaps so he was in it for about sixty to seventy percent of the plays. But what I wanted to call out is something that we've we've talked about that if nothing else, we are creating strength in depth of this team that at some point in the future, whenever that may be, we're gonna get these guys back, and now you're looking at players like sullivan and douglas and all that that end up being backups and are in there just to take time off but you still gain confidence and the one thing i wanted to point out is on that four down series where the rams decided to go for it on fourth down deep in their territory the crazy thing is that for that four play series both preston and gary weren't on the field The Packers got four stops in a row to get the ball to the offense, I think around like the 30-yard line of the Rams, and they did it without Z, Gary, or Preston on the field.
2: That's incredible. Darius Hamilton
0: and typical Incredible. Incredible. Uh, I can't say any good things about this defense in terms of woulda, coulda, shoulda, the Cobb fumble led to points what are you going to do? But they held it to a field goal, I believe on that position. And then two deep bombs that just were finally that inexperience showing a a big one to Jefferson who really didn't do anything the remainder of the game, other than that catch and the 54 yarder to Beckham. It's just like, you kind of held Cooper cup in his zone. And if not better than normal van Jefferson goes for one catch. Beckham goes for one catch. Like it's, it's, what can you expect from this team that kind of you know they're not playing with their their first or second cornerback you still have Stokes not quite turning his head when he should I mean there's room for
2: improvement room to grow for sure for sure I mean you still gave up 300 yards and three touchdowns but because you were able to take a lead and get a pick six uh, you know you're not really looking at those stats and saying you had a bad day and With with Chandon Sullivan getting targeted the way he did, giving up the bomb to to Van Jefferson, uh, even with the victory and even with the dominance, you know, giving up 28 points, I'm still going to call dominant in this performance. I still miss Jair because you just wonder, like, all right, we did all that without Jair. Like, what does that look like with Jair and Kevin King and Eric Stokes? Like, the game plan is to have those three guys at corner in the playoffs do they throw the ball for 170 yards and one touchdown and we win this game by 25 points? Like what does that look like with Jair? Yeah. I miss it. Yeah. We're, we're missing that opportunity and we've, we've talked about it and we'll talk about it in our mid season review that we'll come out with uh, over the bye week. But, The the whole goal is to get those guys healthy at the right time. And, you know, the broadcast didn't really cover that Kevin King wasn't playing much to the tune that I didn't notice it until today. I'm a terrible podcast host. And I was like, oh, shit, you're right. I don't remember Kevin King making a single play. Oh, yeah, he was declared inactive. Uh, But the defense, it it didn't care. I mean, we have a a, a schematic advantage. Joe Barry needs a ton of credit here. You're playing a high-powered offense, and you trust this defense to get stops. And you can't blame it on the Rams being injured because this defense continues to get stops.
1: Yeah, and, and and we shut down Cooper Cup for a good majority of the first half. I think he started getting catches towards the end of the second quarter. Um, but, I mean, that, that alone, shutting down arguably the best wide receiver right now in the NFL. You know, you can argue Devontae and a few others, but he's having a hell of a year. And to leave them blanked all through the first quarter is very impressive with who we had out there. Um, and, and honestly, the yards, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, we gave up two very long plays, 179 yarder, 154 uh, yarder. Um, take take one of those out, and it's a completely different game. So,
2: yeah, we're uh, saying, great shut job down. done by that
1: defense.
2: We're saying, shut down Cooper Cup. And I know your point, and I agree with it. But we let him have what we we're comfortable letting him have. Cooper Cup had seven for 96. Like, Devontae yeah. has that day, and we're like, he had a great day, productive day. <laughs> but th- that's how good of a year he's having. But to keep him out of the end zone and to delay him even touching the ball until right before halftime was huge. the. the Knowing your defense can get a stop uh, just creates this mentality for the Packers that this is your Super Bowl formula. You have a defense that can make some stops. Your offense just needs to be crisp, and I'm going to define crisp as not committing penalties. And if if they don't put themselves at first and 20, second and 15, uh, you trust Rodgers to get you 25 to 30 points and your defense to make enough stops. It's a whole team performance here. It's so exciting.
1: And they're not just getting stops, they're getting three and outs. So it, it, it's even more exciting because it keeps your defense fresh, keeps that pass rush fresh. Um, yeah, you know, and then yes. the Packers
2: had those long drives to eat up clock after those.
1: Yes. Yeah, so it, it, it's just beautiful team ball, beautiful.
0: And this is a perfect little transition because it it felt as though, for some reason, McVay game plan to get the ball to OBJ more in that first half because it – I think they had brought it up that Cooper Cup had more pass attempts than he had targets through about five minutes remaining in the second quarter. It just felt like a weird scenario where this defense gets burned by speed, the secondary in particular, with who they have playing cornerback. And yet they didn't go to Cooper Cup, who could have easily... Probably doubled his targets. It could have been like one of those – some of those earlier Devontae Adams games this year where it's just like just keep throwing it until they stop you. Uh, and for some reason McVeigh goes, you know what? We want to make sure OBJ gets involved. And it didn't go very well to begin with. So perfect transition. Here's the transition. Matt nice. LaFleur. My goodness, I there were there were nerdy texts going on this game going, ooh, that play design. Oh, but it's it's (laughs) I, I don't it's probably embarrassing to go back and read some of this stuff. But we put up 36 points, probably should have been 39. We'll get to that in a second. But Aaron Rodgers, decent day, 307, two touchdowns. The running game just wasn't right. But I would also kind of say that Aaron Jones Probably didn't need to play this game. He did not look like Aaron Jones. Uh, But Devontae going off, Cobb having good days and bad days, depending on if he was a receiver of a throw or a, a catcher of a punt. But let's talk about this offense that did a lot, a lot of good things today.
2: I am convinced LaFleur took Cobb in the game plan and said a – figurative F you to Odell, this would have been your role. And we're gonna do it we're gonna do it with Randall Cobb instead and show you exactly what we discussed with you over the phone that you left because we said we'll give you a million and the Rams gave you a one point two million base with some incentives. Like, was that two hundred K really that different to come over here and do what Randall Cobb is doing? No problem. Mm-hmm. Against a better defense, a, a more talented defense we'll say.
1: Yeah. Well, Cobb picks up oh, 100. using that as an excuse. I mean, come on. Like he wanted to be in LA. Like just say it, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. He, I, I, I totally agree. I don't agree with the storyline that you know his his true destination was going to be Green Bay. It's like bullshit. Then you would take 200 grand and less. But I, I think they took Cobb and and played a role that Odell would have been filling if if in in this alternate world that he became a Packer. McCobb was looking rejuvenated. You know, I thought he had a flat tire. Literally, I thought his shoe was popped off, and he was just walking with his foot out of his shoe. But it was actually a groin injury that pulled him out at halftime. Yet he still accumulated four catches for 95 yards with some run after the catch, the touchdown. Um, The punt return, though, man, really? We've been begging for you to return punts this entire year. And you fumble one now, too? Like, we just are so... Oh, there's some bad juju on special teams, man. Like That's going to have to get talked about, but we'll keep it positive for a second. We'll talk special teams later.
1: Yeah, and the offense just played lights out. I I was blown away with our strategy, game call, Um, and and I, I was honestly, this Rams defense isn't very impressive, specifically calling out the defensive line, which is stacked with star names. And, I mean, they did cause pressure on Aaron Rodgers, but at what point in this game did he ever look uncomfortable? He looked like he was in control and could score at will other than that fourth quarter. Um, And and I was never worried about the Packers not scoring in this game.
2: Yeah, he had to move around in the pocket, uh, but he had long enough. And and part of that was game plan. You know, they, they scripted him to get the ball out on time, and he knew he had to. But the only sack of the game was on that really a scramble where, you know, maybe if he doesn't have a brokey broken pinky toe he lifts his foot in time to avoid the the diving attempt where he gets sacked for a loss of one or whatever it ended up being. Uh that was an amazing performance from the offensive line and Josh Nijman is talking himself into a starting role somewhere. I mean, I don't know if it's at right tackle next year for the Packers or with a different team, but uh four starts for him and four wins that have all been super impressive at uh, I get what you're saying, Josh. Like, you look at the names on their team and you expect them to make a lot more plays, and it's it's just befuddling. I I don't know if anyone has an answer how that Rams defense uh, couldn't make a few more plays against us. They couldn't get a pass rush. Jalen Ramsey was targeted seven times by Rodgers and went seven for seven on all the targets. Like, they definitely knew where he was and respected it and game-planned around him, but to go seven for seven against them, like... You can't have that happening on your number one corner. And
0: I'm glad you brought up Nijman because this dude, I, I mean, there were moments in preseason and definitely during that Saints game that you questioned what we were doing. Uh, he has progressively gotten better every single week. And he's thinking about things beyond blocking because he was actually the one that landed on uh, I Big Dog. You can't be running with your arms wailing out like that while somebody's going to tackle you. So he got that uh, Mercedes Lewis fumble. But oh. he just – he seems to n- he understand it. He's going – it used to be I'm just focusing on blocking, and he was getting beat here and there. Now he's solidified blocking. Then he thought about, all right, getting next level on rushes. Now he's thinking about next level on, on plays, but also being aware of things that go wrong. It's just – it's so fun to see his development. And it's, it's tough because – Newman, I really like, and I think with time, he will improve. He just got thrown into a situation that he wasn't quite ready for. But if he can elevate himself like Nijman's doing, I mean, we are, again, super, super deep at the offensive line. It's unbelievable
2: what we have going on. I just want to say credit to Lucas Patrick as well on that Mercedes Lewis fumble because he was right behind Nijman. And that's that little stuff. That's that culture building, right? That's that stuff you practice but you can't teach it, your guys have to have the incentive where the plays already in front of them. And they're still going to sprint after it in hopes of pushing Mercedes Lewis for an extra yard. Right. I mean, that's really why they're sprinting over there. They're Like if he gets stood up by the defense, we're going to throw ourselves into the pile and try to push him forward. Cause we know he's going to be fighting for the extra yardage. Well, Mercedes does a terrible job holding onto that loaf of bread and both those guys are there to recover it. And that's such a game changing play that like you just can't teach but you, you practice it, if you know what I mean. Like you, you practice that intensity, that follow-through, and then that's all culture. That that play was just a huge tone setter to have your your spot start, backup swing tackle, you know, be there five, six yards down the field to recover a fumble.
1: All right. But going into EQ, EQ looked really impressive, loved how he played. But I really want to dive into A.J. Dillon because even though our run game was not pretty – um, you know, he he was able to get the first downs, get a breather for our wide receivers here and there, and really pound it home into that defensive line and linebacker crew who, even though we only got 92 rushing yards on 32 rushes, it, it felt like a, a, a decent uh, attempt at a rushing game.
2: Dude, that was my exact note that I wanted to end the podcast on. I know Ryan still got something he needs to throw out there, but AJ Dillon in the cold is oh my god orgasmic. Like he's he's making something we'll talk about in the midseason review. Uber important to have home games in the playoffs because while he was twenty for a nice sixty nine, just a three point five yard average, that is a fantastic rush defense. And there was contact at the line of scrimmage what felt like 80% of the time. If you did the math, was, you know if you go back and watch the film, it was probably 50% of the time. But he consistently falls forward, not just to the tune of an extra yard, to the tune of an extra like four yards. And, and that in 10-degree weather, no one wants to tackle that guy in 75-degree weather, much less when it's 10-degree weather and it's literal snot-knocking weather. Like that guy carried the load, even though, you know, he wasn't able to break anything longer than an eight yard carry, which is a statement to the Rams defense. If he had broken the the 15 and the 20 yard pops, he's got a hundred yard day easy, right? So just chunk by chunk, he was keeping the offense on track. And that's part of this Super Bowl formula. You get a defense that can make stops. And if you stay on track with offense, AJ Dillon is going to give you pretty much a guaranteed four yards every time, even if he gets contact at the line of scrimmage, watching him work, was great for that purpose, and the second purpose was they were able to rest Aaron Jones. They started with Aaron Jones to begin the game. They're like, ah, we're not quite sure about that, and A.J. Dillon comes in, carries the workload, and we don't see Aaron Jones pretty much for the rest of it. They split reps 50-50. That was perfect, too, because you get to rest him going into the bye week. Props to A.J. Dillon. Can't speak highly enough about that performance.
0: Yeah, it was interesting to me that, I mean... I don't think Aaron Jones was ready to come back. I'm sure he felt good and practice went well this week, but it just felt like they thought they needed that extra weapon to beat the Rams. And when you look at it, the 10 carries for 23 yards, 8 of which came on one rush. So he was he was floating around a a yard and a half per carry. He was only targeted once. It it felt like this offense put up 36 points against a solid defense. And it was one of Aaron Jones' worst games in just terms of production. Not saying that he was making mistakes or he was, but he just production wise, he was nearly not even on the radar. And so it's, it's crazy to have that kind of production across the board. It just is so exciting. Uh, and, And man, I just, I hope. This Packers offense continues to think about putting in that overtime in the film room to evaluate and dissect their opponents because it seems like when Matt Lafleur really, really wants to get creative, there's no team in the NFL that's going to stop them, and that's what makes it really confusing when we have these games where you're just like, why are we doing this? Why is that? Why are we doing back-to-back screenplays behind the line of scrimmage when it, it, like it, it's weird that we have these moments where. Every four or five games, LaFleur just goes, Man, I'm really tired. We're just we're just bread and buttering it. I don't I don't want to be creative this week. And but I wanted to throw this out. Where is our panic level for Mr. Alan Lazard?
2: Uh there were a couple plays. I wasn't gonna throw them under the bus, but there were a couple plays where like, I know you're a great blocker, but that receiver part wasn't so good.
1: I'll bring up the one. It's the one he should have had in the end zone. It went right through his hands, and a pass like that from Rodgers where he gets it in between two defenders, you have to catch it. So I'll throw him under the bus a little bit. He's just got to start catching. I mean, he's our number four wide receiver. Um, Like Dan said, great in the blocking game, so I'm still happy with him.
2: And if your fifth wide receiver is equanimous coming on, like he has in the last two games? I'll look past it. Like I guess, what to answer your question directly, my panic level is like a three. Like I, I have witnessed it. I have put it on my radar, but I'm not concerned just yet. He's he's also had a game with what was it six catches for 100 yards last year before his abdomen injury. So he's got the talent in him. Just a, a poor performance in that aspect of the game.
0: Yeah, the the only reason I bring it up is he's played in nine games this year, and only two of them he has more than two receptions. He's floating between one, two, one, two, one, two, and it's a, it's just it seems like he's being put in position, as Josh mentioned, to make plays. And whether it hits him in the hands or it almost looks like he, he cuts off a route, route short. But the fact that he's been targeted 10 times, he's made three receptions for a whopping total of 19 yards. It just feels like it's, he's, I, I, I don't know. Maybe at this point I in wonder, time, as we've mentioned, if there are injuries or if there's concern about just him not being in that active role, but it's interesting to me.
2: I wonder if you could almost. The TV broadcast said it, and I thought they were wrong, but I went and looked it up, and they were right. He's 6'5", and I knew he was a bigger-bodied guy, but I didn't think he was actually a full 6'5". They got him listed at 6'5", 227. I wonder if he could almost play a role of a Tunyon where Mm -hmm. we're missing that receiving threat in the tight end position. I'm not saying put him at tight end, but he's a great – not like full-time tight end – but he's Mm -hmm. a great blocker. And if, if he can fill that role in the offense, you got 16 catches this week from Adams, Cobb, and MVS. And if Equinemius can give you one or two, like on that third and five, just running an out route against Darius Williams, then Lazard, like, just go work the middle of the field and let's be done with the deep shots. Like, maybe that's not his game. Can you go fill an athletic tight end position on obvious passing downs and get us three to four catches a game from that role? Mm-hmm. I I think it's really
0: interesting because that's where Packers were having a lot of success is it was these these kind of soft coverage right in the center of the field. It's where Cobb's coming across and he had his big play. It's just it was there for the taking. And I, I don't know if it's yeah, the scheme has shifted enough that he hasn't found that role that he had at points last year. But I I'm not panicky, but I I was expecting a huge year out of Lazard. And for him to be floating at 200 yards this late in the season just makes me scratch my head going, where, where did we miss that misstep? But I, well, we can't complain too much because we were a Rogerless, uh, Chiefs game and just this weird back and forth of the Vikings to actually have locked up the North by the time this bye week happened. It's, it's unbelievable. And, and thank you, 49ers, for, for showing up against the Vikings and, uh, the Lions Bears game was a game of who would like to catch a football. It's just incredible to me that we have hit the buy at nine and three and we're going to do a, a kind of mid season. I know it's a little more like a two third season review with our good friend Andy who joins us once a year next week. But it's, it's very, very enticing to know that the Packers are not only nine and three and a number two seed in the NFC, but, but Minnesota isn't even at 500. And that's our closest competitor. And we get to play them again in Lambeau. So lots of, lots of positives to take out of, of this first chunk of the season. It's just, uh, it's so fun to watch football when your team is playing well. And in particular, guys that you coming into this season would have never in a million years thought were gonna play a huge role. Kind of like a practice squad uh, cornerback from Arizona, continually Amen. making highlight real plays for this team. But it's just it's just been awesome to be a Packer fan. Once again, we are Amen. cocky and, <laughs> and we are, <laughs> and are blessed. Everything. We are blessed is what we are. But until next time, uh enjoy this week long break. Uh hopefully this is for the first time we're okay with a break, right? We're okay with a Packers break.
2: That's Love it. uh we're, we're remember good? preseason, no. we're like the buy's too late in the year. You know what? <laughs> Perfect timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> we got through this six game stretch at four and two when I thought three and three. Perfect timing for a buy. Couldn't ask for more.
0: All right. Well, thanks everybody. Appreciate it.
2: Go Pack go.